Yo, howdy, greetings, and salutations. This is the David Glenn Show. I, however, am not David Glenn. Darren Vaught filling in today as DG is with his daughter at the University of South Carolina today doing the college tour thing. She got a, a, a basketball game out of it. They saw the Gamecocks women's basketball team just trounce Vandy last night, so that's pretty cool. And, and, DG doesn't have to talk about North Carolina basketball today. I am saddled with that responsibility. But on the bright side, I haven't had to do it as frequently over the, the length of this season. Because same old story again last night, right? Up by 15, the waning minutes in the second half. Who didn't think that last shot was going in? Anybody? Charles Hadley's on the other side of the glass in the seat where I normally am. Well, sometimes. Feels like he's been there a lot more than me lately. Intern Will in there. He told me when he came in, he just knew that shot by Notre Dame was going to go in and end it for North Carolina. I have a couple of points to make, though, throughout the next few hours. I don't, I don't know if I want to call them silver lining in the, in the case of North Carolina's bad basketball season. But maybe, maybe, hopefully, we can make it just not as bad by just making a couple of points. Again, I'm Darren Vaught, and for DG today, as he will be back tomorrow. Some fun stuff planned. Luke Hancock of the ACC Network, former Louisville sharpshooter, former most outstanding player of the 2013 Final Four, is going to join us here in just a little bit to talk hoops. We'll be basketball heavy today, I'm not going to lie. And you know when I'm given the reins, I'm going to talk at least a little bit of baseball. So we're just talking disaster scenarios all over the place. North Carolina, the Astros, Major League Baseball. Just bring on the dumpster fires. I'll be an expert on such matters this afternoon. Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com, the ACC Sports Journal. He's going to be in studio with me for quite a while, a little bit later, starting in the second hour of today's program. And then, how about this? You'll get to hear from Bill Ripken of MLB Network. He's not going to join us on the show. Actually, I, I played this game where I talked to him about potentially coming on to the show, but I, I had already had him interviewed and in the can as a guest on my podcast, Covering the Bases, the official podcast of USA Baseball. If you guys want to check that out, wherever you consume your podcasts. So we're going to play you parts of, of that interview. Bill Ripken, he's got a book that's now out called State of Play. And he talks about marrying a lot of the, the new school, old school philosophies in the world of baseball to where they are most beneficial. And he's got some interesting ideas. Now, of course, you start talking about technology as it's incorporated in the game of baseball today. And on this day, February 18th, 2020, you can't make that kind of statement or bring up those two things 
without hearing and talking about the Houston Astros. So I, I, we won't get into as much of that with Bill, but he's got some fun ideas and was a really good conversation. So Bill Ripken coming up third hour. Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com and the AC, ACC Sports Journal is going to be in studio. And then Luke Hancock on more hoops, more ACC basketball a little bit later this hour. You can call the show, 1-800-849-2761, if you would like to chime in on anything. And feel free to tweet at us, at David Glenn Show on Twitter. DG rarely gets that one out. The phone number, he just Tommy guns that thing out. At David Glenn Show on Twitter, we'll receive your feedback there as well. So, revisiting last night, North Carolina up by 10 in the second half. The eighth time this season that has been the case. Charles Hadley, filling in for me, you are, I I think, unabashedly a North Carolina basketball fan, right? Yes, I'm a UNC fan. So... Of those eight times that the Tar Heels have led a basketball game in the second half by 10 or more points, double-digit lead second half this season, out of eight, including last night, so you can go ahead and count one in the loss column, what do you think their record is? I don't know how many wins they have. There's not not many wins, but I'm going to say, like, what, eight (laughs) losses? In those in those games, I don't know how many wins because I've just I've become numb to that. I just think eight losses. That's that's a good number for me. Eight losses. They've won three of them. So all right, it's not as bad as you might think. But three and five, three and five in games in which they they led by ten or more points. It seems like more because they were all buzzer beaters. Maybe that's it. Yeah. No. It's the it's the nature of the loss, right? Because that's I mean, man, last night. Here, here's point number one in the the silver lining of North Carolina's really, really terribly bad basketball season, right? Point number one. You only have to do this once. You got four All-Americans coming in next year. <laughs> At least it's not a prolonged history of these instances repeatedly occurring to your basketball program, right? Now, th- don't get me wrong. This season has been abysmal for a number of reasons, and this is a fascinating stat, and it comes from our friend Brian Ives. He's at Away to Worthy on Twitter, producer for ESPN's College Game Day. North Carolina opponents this season have made a field goal or a free throw to either tie or take the lead with three seconds left. 13 seconds left, 27 seconds left, 23 seconds left, one second left, 17 seconds left. As time expired, that happened twice. One second left again, and two seconds left. (laughs) 10 games, 10 instances in which a North Carolina opponent this season has made a shot or free throw that tied or took the lead with, what was that? The, the longest time remaining there was 27 seconds left. So under 30 seconds remaining. Ten instances that you've seen a shot like that, like that, that last one by Notre Dame, go in. 
But the good news is, you just have to do it this once. Like, like these, these 10 instances are some truly, truly NC State stuff level happenings, right? On the bright side, Charles, you're not a Wolfpack fan. <laughs> yeah, I thank my stars for that every day. My parents <laughs> tried, but no, I'm a UNC fan all the way. So you've got that to be thankful for, which is nice. You've got all Americans coming in next season. It should get better, which is nice. I even saw an interview with former NBA star, now an analyst, Greg Anthony, father of, of Cole Anthony. I can't even remember. I, I, I should do better about citing this and where I saw it. But I saw him quoted as to saying, it's not a guarantee that Cole Anthony's leaving. You're not buying that. You shouldn't. No, he's a lottery pick. I mean, without a doubt. Even even if he he's had the abysmal season this year and he's played great, he's a lottery pick, no doubt. I think most project him as like a first-rounder. Or not a first-rounder, sorry, a top two or three pick. So why why wouldn't you go? We'll see. Actually, we, we might talk to Brian Geisinger about that a little bit later when he's in studio. BG of the... ACC Sports Journal and ACCSports.com is going to stop by probably a little, little more than an hour from now, something like that. Luke Hancock in about 20 minutes on the David Glenn Show. Still lots to talk about as far as other ACC hoops are concerned. NC State with a couple of big games this weekend. I definitely want to talk to Luke about that. They host Duke tomorrow night, and then they host Florida State on Saturday. This is one of two remaining matchups for them against the Blue Devils. And they're, man, they're just like just short of the NCAA tournament bubble picture. DG theorized yesterday that if they don't get a win tomorrow against Duke or a win Saturday against Florida State, he doesn't think they're in to the NCAA tournament. That Even if they were, were to later get that win against Duke, he doesn't think they're in if they don't win one of these games this week. So we'll talk about that as well. On the other side, I'm going to offer up a, another piece of positivity in the wake of North Carolina basketball, not necessarily aimed at you, the Carolina fan, but more in the way of the more general you, the ACC fan. That piece of silver lining on the other side, Darren Vaught in for DG. This is the David Glenn Show. Davos Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. Been? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley. You know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. <laughs> you got two choices. You can... Uh, you can compete your butt off or you can get up in the fetal position and curl up and start crying. I'm not going to freaking do that. We're going to excuse me. I apologize to everybody, everybody, everybody. We're going to freaking compete. And that's what we're going to do. We play Saturday. You can feel sorry for yourself. And you feel sorry for yourself and you're going to do that the rest of your freaking life. And I apologize. I usually don't. You know, I don't know what I'm doing right now when I weigh I'm cursing. Everybody hurts. Man, you know things are bad when Roy's dropping F-bombs. 
Sometimes everything is wrong. He does, he goes through more effort, I would argue, to avoid cursing. Right? Like, it's because at some point, it just, and I know, obviously, he needs to be respectful and, and, and not curse in those moments. But, like, you or me in casual conversation, you all know that person who tries to avoid cursing and they, they, they're the gymnastics that they do verbally to try to avoid that. Roy is a master of those. And uh, just let one slip. And, and <laughs> immediately, I love. <laughs> immediately he stops mid-sentence. Doesn't even complete the thought before he starts apologizing. That's perfectly Roy. So North Carolina, and again, not to harp too much on it, because I hope to offer some silver lining to what is what has become a, a very, very bad North Carolina basketball season. By the way, I got a text during the break that said, hey, it's baseball season. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on from basketball. So, Big shout-out, because over the weekend, North Carolina baseball swept their season-opening series over Middle Tennessee, and uh, I'm really excited about ACC baseball, for what it's worth. Joey Lancelotti, who's normally like a a pitcher, a relief pitcher for them, hard-throwing guy, I think they're going to move him into the rotation some. Anyways, he hit a walk-off home run. The pitcher hit a walk-off home run for the Tar Heels. So, anyways, a, a lot to look forward to in ACC baseball, but... Still something to look forward to during this basketball season. And if you're a North Carolina fan, I would hope that you're an ACC fan. And I don't want to begin the debate of if Duke's the only team left in it, are you rooting for them over anybody else in the country because of, of ACC brotherhood or, or kinsmanship or, or, or however you want to put it. Uh, I'm, I'm That's kind of a fascinating debate to me. I don't want to get into it specifically today, but I think in most cases, we all root for the ACC as a league to experience good things. And in a really weird roundabout backwards way, I think North Carolina having this kind of season in basketball is going to allow the ACC to experience a really cool thing Namely, when it comes to the ACC tournament, when we go back to Greensboro next month. Carolina is playing on Tuesday, which is not something that they normally do. The ACC tournament has not been in Greensboro at the Greensboro Coliseum, its true home, since 2015. Greensboro city representatives have expressed that this, because this is the last one on the books that they're hosting, now don't get crazy because it it should happen more, but officially speaking, this year's at Greensboro, 2021's ACC tournament is back at Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., and then returning to Brooklyn in 2022. Those are the only ones that are left. Those are the only three that are left officially scheduled so as the deliberations happen Greensboro is going to continue to be considered but it needs some help to be a larger part of this rotation Greensboro city representatives have expressed this is the most important ACC tournament that they've ever hosted so imagine it 
Tuesday, back in Greensboro, the ACC tournament for the first time in five years. All right, well, Tuesday, just by default, is going to be better than a Tuesday in Brooklyn or a Tuesday in D.C. Because it's back in Greensboro, it's home. It's, it's back home. We saw sort of a, a resurgence with that sort of thing in Charlotte, but it's just not quite there. Greensboro was going to be packed anyway. Greensboro is a North Carolina Tar Heels town in a lot of ways. So, as it was going to feature a, a more of a crowd on Tuesday than in Brooklyn or D.C. or wherever anyway, Carolina fans who are loyal and proud to have the event back in the triad, if they show up, Tuesday could look, feel, and smell like a Friday, Friday night semifinals. And what's not to love about that? It, when you're making the case in those future meetings for the Greensboro Coliseum, for having the ACC tournament there more often than not, a packed house on Tuesday reflects really, really well on that case. And, yeah, maybe it would have happened without North Carolina. Maybe it happens, or maybe it doesn't happen with North Carolina there. I don't know. But, I, you know, I feel like I've gotten to know the, the college basketball fans of North Carolina, the state that is, not just the team, pretty well. And I expect a, a relatively large crowd. And, and there are Carolina fans, Tar Heel fans, that is, that understand. They're reasonable about this season. They know that it's just going to be one. They're, they're, it's not going to be very long-lived. This, this valley, and they still go to games. They still cheer. The team certainly has had good effort most of the time late in games, though the execution has been poor at points. So there's still something, still something to watch if you're a North Carolina fan and you want to go to Greensboro and check out the Tar Heels on Tuesday of the ACC tournament. So you pack the house in Greensboro. Tuesday looks like a Friday night semifinal. And that reflects well on the case for Greensboro Coliseum in future planning of the ACC tournament. Now, look, the, big, the bigger venues are going to be included. In whatever kind of rotation there is, we're going to continue to see Capital One Arena in D.C. We're going to continue to see the Barclays Center because that's, you know, the footprint has grown to that scale. It's not like you're going to blow, blow away the ACC to the point where they decide that every year it's going to be held at the Greensboro Coliseum again. But, again, you can make a positive impression. Will, forgive me. I didn't have the, the call screener up. I'm getting it up now. I understand that we've got a couple. I'm going to try and get to a couple before we go to uh, Luke Hancock on the other side. Oh, it wants the patch. What's the username and the password? You can tell. Yeah, you, you can tell I'm not over here very often. Although I don't know why it ever logs out. All right, Todd and Kinston wants to talk North Carolina. Let's let Todd in. And then we'll get to Luke Hancock of the ACC Network here in just a few minutes. Todd, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I'm just uh, good to talk to you guys again. I just, 
I mean, uh, both of my alma maters, State and Carolina, are going down in flames. So I'm going to have to get behind NC State women, I guess, this year. And have a, <laughs> I have a winner out there, and they're doing awesome. So, uh, congrats to, to Westmore. But, I mean, you know, after last night, I need you guys to talk me off the ledge. I mean, just another collapse from a defensive standpoint after, you know, really sort of playing hard and, and doing well for, you know, 30-some-odd minutes. Yeah, well, and and the perimeter defense, in my estimation, I'll be interested to see what Luke Hancock and Brian Geisinger, our guests, who are a little bit more uh, in their expertise when talking about those matters, what they think. I, by my estimation, the perimeter defense has let them down the past couple of games. Uh, man, I'm trying to give you some good, some some <laughs> some positive thoughts. Uh, it's 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 not going to be like this next year. You've got that to rest on. Uh, NC State, meanwhile, while you're rooting for both which perplexes me in a way, but you said you got degrees from both, but that, that makes sense. That's maybe the only way that that would be allowed, right, within the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, they still have a shot, and, and I'll talk to Luke Hancock about this here in just a couple of minutes. You know, if State can manage to get one of these wins this week, they host Duke tomorrow night, they host Florida State on Saturday, they've got another shot at Cameron against Duke later in the season that's probably less likely, but... If they can manage one of these two this week, they position themselves pretty well as long as they take care of business otherwise. And you mentioned the uh, NC State women. Man, they were they were having a, a historically good season up until these last two home games. I mean, the, the huge missed opportunity on Thursday against Louisville, and then I actually had the call for ACC Network Extra of their game against Georgia Tech on Sunday, and it – turned into one of the bigger hangovers across all women's college basketball this season. And then Georgia Tech gets maybe their biggest win in program history, or at least, you know, first time they, I think, I can't remember the exact stat. We said it on the broadcast, but the first top 10 victory for Georgia Tech women's basketball since like 2001, something like that. Um, so yeah, maybe you might not have a ship that's that's still really afloat, Todd. <laughs> uh, NC State's women's teams, Westmore's, done a really good job and they're still a very very good team they're just probably missing out on that one seed now in the big dance uh they'll still have a a shot to bounce back and and hopefully they do that to to give our area some shine in the sport of women's hoops as well but let's get back to the hard court for the men we'll do that on the other side with luke hancock former sharpshooter of the louisville cardinals now with the acc network he's on the other side this is the david glenn show throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill this is the david glenn show What's up? Welcome back in. It's the David Glenn Show. Darren Vaught in for DG today, who is out doing the college tour thing with his daughter here at the University of South Carolina today. The pride of Hidden Valley High School, Roanoke, Virginia's own, formerly of the Louisville Cardinals, most outstanding player of the 2013 Final Four now with the ACC Network. 
Luke Hancock now joins us to talk a little ACC hoops. Luke, what's up, man? How's it going? Not too much, man. Just uh, trying to figure out this crazy ACC season <laughs> that we've had. No doubt about it. And uh, the, the team that you follow the closest that you formerly played for, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, one team that I want to get to. But first, Luke, it feels like the number shrinks every time I talk to you of teams from the ACC that look like they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. In your estimation, what what's the status of that? Is it three, four, potentially five, depending on how NC State performs this week? Uh, how do you view it? It's just been a crazy season when you look at teams you feel confident are going to be able to make a run, a team that starts to put together a few wins, and then they turn around and they lose to somebody in the, you know, the bottom five of this league. I've, I've been pretty high on Clemson at times. Obviously, that stretch beating NC State, beating um, Virginia, beating Duke, beating Louisville. I mean, you know, Clemson's probably the best example of a team you feel really good about with their wins. They, they're not sniffing the NCAA yeah. tournament at this point. <laughs> NC State is a team, you know, you, they really challenge some of the top teams in the league. They probably have the best opportunity schedule-wise left to make an impact. But if I had to, to put my money on a number, I would say four teams make the NCAA tournament. I think Virginia, when it's all said and done, will be firmly in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, the three teams at the top are in. It's just a matter of if anybody can really surprise you. Again, everybody has some opportunity, but NC State definitely has the best chance to, to ratchet, up some, ratchet up with some marquee wins. And with NC State in mind, Luke, uh, DG, who was obviously hosting this, his own show yesterday, theorized that, you know, because they've got the three big games left, they've, they've got two against Duke, one, of course, home, one away, and then they host Florida State on Saturday. They host both this week. He theorized that if they get neither of those, then they're out. You can count them out even with the remaining matchup against Duke. Do you see these two home games for the Wolfpack as being that important? I do. I do. You you just can't lose to Boston College the way they did. Um, and, and that's not the only game. It's just the last game. NC State is, is that team. You feel good about them one week, and then they'll turn around and, and really underperform um, the next week. And so I, I do think that they have to get it done against one of the with one of the Duke matchups. Um, and I, they probably need the Florida State one as well. They, they've really fallen behind the eight ball. I think I saw their net rankings in the 70s right now. Yeah. And they were – I might have this off just a little bit, but I believe they were in the high 30s last year and did not make the NCAA tournament. It's different this year to where that line will be, but significantly higher uh, than, than they were last year, and they did not get in. Luke Hancock of the ACC Network is with us. Uh, Luke, a couple of consecutive losses for Louisville, and Jordan Wara just appearing to – to struggle after getting off to a really, really hot start and being great for much of the season with these these couple of lapses. What's going on with the Cardinals? Yeah, it uh, seems, seems like a lot. Um, but I, one thing I wanted to, to make note of before you really dig into it is it's incredible to see how the Louisville fan base is very different than the Carolina fan base. Or maybe it's the coaches, maybe it's the program, but UNC – really struggling this year, probably the most unlucky team in college basketball, but but win-loss-wise, really struggling this year. You don't hear Roy Williams or you don't hear the Carolina faithful worried about anything in terms of Roy Williams. They're kind of like, this is a a rough season for us. We realize it. 
we trust in, in Coach Williams, and they're going to find a way. There's to, always to, a select few, Luke. It, man, if you worked in this market, you, <laughs> it's it, there. It's a very small number, but there, you're right. You're, you're, your point remains. <laughs> my point. No, no one's saying this guy can't get it done, or this guy's a bad. Coach. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Here, you know, I know Chris Mack hasn't been here forever, but you, you are a little spoiled having two Hall of Famers in a row, and now, you know, Chris Mack. Uh, before the Georgia Tech game, everybody could not have been higher on the guy. Louisville's top five. They're they're probably a front runner to win a national championship. They've got the ACC Player of the Year at that point. And then you see the week they've had, where Jordan Ward goes from averaging over 19 a game to these last two averaging three and a half a game. And I, I'm not going to put it all on his shoulders, but they just didn't seem to have the same energy, effort, enthusiasm. You expect a great team like that uh, to still have. You know, a, a few things. You know, Virginia basketball, not as great as they've been, but their defense is going to be there. Louisville has been there on the defensive end and through their 10-game winning streak was incredible efficiency-wise shooting the basketball. In these games, though, you got Georgia Tech scoring at will, Clemson scoring at will, and Louisville scored 14 points in the first half of that Clemson game, shot unbelievably bad shots over and over again, and I, they're too good of a basketball team to have to shoot the ball well in order to win games. They need to be a team that attacks the basket, that um, puts the defense on their heels, creates free throw opportunities, and threes come as a byproduct. I think in the last two games they fell in love with the three ball because they were shooting a high uh, percentage, and it's really hurt them a little bit. And, and one last point I'll make, the best game Louisville has played all year came against Duke at Cameron Indoor. When you look at pace of play numbers through the entire season, Louisville's in the high 200. That game in particular was the fastest they had played the entire season. I think Louisville has the talent, they have the athletes, and they have the depth to play a little bit faster, and it obviously suits these guys. You've got a couple holdovers from the Rick Pitino system that wanted, they, they were recruited to play up and down, not pace of play numbers in the 250s plus. So I, I think you're going to see a little bit different um, strategy, a little bit different game plan going into this Syracuse game. But Syracuse is very good, and they really should have beat Florida State at Syracuse this week. Luke Hancock of the ACC Network is with us here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, for Louisville, a couple of home games this week. They've got Syracuse tomorrow night and then North Carolina on Saturday, which is where um, – Virginia got, and I'm using my air quotes, Luke, a, a, a big road victory in the ACC on Saturday just because the, the Smith Center is not quite the daunting task that it normally is in ACC play. But a win nonetheless for Virginia. You, I, I remember early in the season, told us that you thought the Cavaliers were a lock, and it's been a little bit shakier than that, but you said four teams in I, with them as your fourth. How secure do you think that spot is for Tony Bennett and company? Uh, well, they, def they certainly have work to do. Um, I do think they're going to be able to get it done. I think the emergence of Tomas Wolden-Tensai and Casey Morsell just being more of a threat from the perimeter has really opened things up for this team. We knew Mamadisi Akite was going to be a monster in the middle, and he's done really, really well, uh, especially in that UNC game. They went to him and basically said, go get us a bucket at the end of that game. But those guys being able to just shoot the ball at a little bit higher clip makes Virginia a much, much better team. I just talked about pace of play. Virginia is the slowest team in the country in terms of pace of play, a 353rd, I think. 
and they're a team that has to be incredibly efficient when you play at that pace. The mover uh, blocker system that Tony Bennett's kind of famous for, it just hasn't worked as well when you've got Mamadi and Jay Huff setting screens for guys that, that are going to shoot in the, in the low 20s from three. It doesn't work. Uh, it's not Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter running off those screens. It's Casey Morsell, Tomas, Cody Statman. So I, I think they, they've kind of had to, to learn through some adversity. They've, they've gotten beat up a little bit early on in the season, especially, you know, Big Ten, ACC Challenge. They got absolutely destroyed, and they've had some poor games. But the defense has been there. Uh, as they shoot the ball a little bit better, they are a much better basketball team. And I think they're going to be able to upset some people in the ACC tournament because of their defense. Uh, last thing for you, Luke Hancock of the ACC Network with us. Uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, as a league, issued a statement that has added it to the list of endorsements joining the Big Ten as a league for one transfer exception in uh, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and hockey, which is where the, the rules apply that uh, a transferring player without getting special exception would need to sit out a year to transfer. Um, you were a guy that in your athletic career transferred. You know, you started at Hargrave and then out of George Mason transferred to Louisville. With your perspective, just what does this mean going forward if it's something that gets pushed into play and endorsed by more conferences around the country for, for student-athletes to have that kind of flexibility and be able to transfer with, without exception? Yeah, I just think it's, um, it's not a very fair relationship right now for, for student-athletes and coaches. Um, you know, Mel Tucker decides after he's recruited players and told him that he was going to stay there to, to up and leave and go chase more money. And you've got kids that aren't making anything that, that get sold by a coach to come to a university, and he, he can up and leave with no issues, but you have to sit out. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I give the ACC and the Big Ten a huge pat on the back, a huge cheer for being proactive. And, and I think the environment nowadays just has to be – a little bit more relaxed with, with how punitive they are in terms of transfers, um, the NCAA has to wake up on that. You know, if, you, if they're going to continue to try and restrict everything a student-athlete can do, eventually they're going to find other ways to, to get around the rules or to, to, you know, not go play college basketball. They need to make it acceptable for high-level talent to be able to, to leave if they want to. Or they probably need to do multi-year scholarships. They, they need to start thinking more proactively I give huge credit to these conferences that are saying we understand you don't want a, a coach to leave or you don't want something to get a little shaky and, and your entire student um, or your entire teams to just transfer. At the same time, that puts more onus on the coaches and the schools to constantly be recruiting these kids. Probably a little bit of a catch-22 because you don't want to make it easy for kids to not be told what they want to hear and just leave, right? You want kids to have to battle through some adversity and to be coached hard. I can imagine, you know, how many days through my college career where I was like, man, coach is, is getting on me. Um, I'm having a rough week. The fans are killing me. I just need to get out of here. And it, it's not as easy to leave, which I think was a good thing. I, I battled through adversity. We ended up winning the national championship, and I had a great time in school. But um, I, I, I think they're in a little bit of a bind there trying to decide um, how restrictive they want to be. And at the same time, these student-athletes who aren't getting paid they got to get more. you just got to continue to be proactive and continue to 
lean towards the student-athlete versus the, the coaches and the institutions that are making all this money. Yeah, and Luke, I know I said that was last thing. One quick follow-up, if I could, just because I, I think there's something to allowing uh, student-athletes to, to – sort of find their level. There are a lot of guys who start out at a power five and struggle, and it would really benefit them to to play down in a league or something like that. In your case, you were from George Mason, where you were a star, to Louisville, where you you blossomed in the ACC at a higher level. Um, Whether just specifically in your case or, or more generally, that, that's a reality, right? And I think that would benefit a lot of basketball players around the country to be able to do that. I totally agree. And if you're looking out for what's best for the student athlete, you want to make it less restrictive for them to find situations that really fit them. Uh, I had a great experience at George Mason. The coaching staff was incredible, but Coach Laranega, who started in the ACC coaching at Virginia and, and wanted to get back to that level, he got a great opportunity, and he took all the assistant coaches with him, and he went to the University of Miami. How can you look at a student athlete who had been there for two years, who was totally ingrained in the culture of George Mason basketball and tell me that I can't go play right away, but all the coaches, all the staff, everyone around the program is allowed to say, I want to make more money. I'm going to go down to South Beach, and that's, that, that's where I'm going to coach next year. Not only was I not allowed to, to transfer and play right away, I had restrictions on where I could go. I couldn't right. follow Coach L to Miami. I couldn't play in the conference. All these little restrictions, I, I think people don't realize all the rules around when you transfer. I couldn't travel with the team. You know, we went to the Final Four when I was a redshirt. I wasn't allowed to travel with the team. And as, as a broke college kid, I'm having to, to bum rides with friends to get down to New Orleans to go to that game. It just, they, they haven't been proactive enough with some of these rules. I get it, but, you know, once upon a time, these might have made sense. But in today's day and age, we're in 2020. They need to be proactive. They need to start looking at these rules. I think they're going the wrong way in terms of the Rice Commission wanting to levy these really harsh penalties on schools. They're just not going to take it. You know, to, to quote somebody from – or not quote, but UNC basically told them to get lost with their, with their academic issues, mm-hmm. and it worked out fine for them. Schools are going to start to do that over and over again as the NCAA becomes more uh, restrictive. That's really good stuff, Luke. Appreciate your perspective. Uh, I did go through a little bit of a time warp there and assumed that Louisville was in the ACC at the time. They were a Big East school. So otherwise, you wouldn't have even been able to go to Louisville as you did because it would have been competition for uh, Laranega and company if that that was the, the current case then. Uh, as it fit. But, Luke, really appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy uh, Syracuse there at Louisville on Wednesday and a a home game for the Cardinals this weekend, all right? Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. You got it. That's Luke Hancock of the ACC Network, former Louisville Cardinals sharp shooter, most outstanding player in the 2013 Final Four, and for what it's worth, for whatever it's worth, a 5-4 bro of mine. I say that because... We're from an area where the area code is 540, 54bro. It's not really a thing. I've tried for years to make it one. But uh, anyways, good guy, Luke, Luke Hancock, originally of Roanoke, Virginia. Um, well, that does it for hour one. Man, I, I did that thing that DG does and strung this thing out along. So I got to take a break. But uh, no, more college hoops on the other side. BG, Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com and the ACC Sports Journal. Still to come, second hour. This is the David Glenn Show. 
Megan Rapinoe is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. Darren Vaught checking in quickly before the beginning of our second hour here on the David Glenn Show. In for DG today, my thanks to Luke Hancock of the ACC Network for his stop in. Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com and the ACC Sports Journal will drop by in studio before the conclusion of this hour. I'm also going to talk a little bit of baseball and some NFL updates. A quarterback that could have been retiring has announced he's coming back with his team. That's next on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. <laughs> 